Ha. Oh my God, that well, was amazing. With that last one. <laughs> Travel back in time to the eighties. Reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your pals, it's your buddies, Steve Spears. And B-Rad. And today we turn things loose with an interview with Loverboy co-founder and guitarist Paul Dean. So Loverboy is performing at 80s in the Sand in Putacana in November. I'll be there uh, with Debbie Foreman doing trivia. Loverboy is also on the 2018 voyage of the 80s cruise, as we like to call it here. So 80s fans have really have two huge chances to see them coming up soon. Plus, they're touring pretty much nonstop, it seems like. When I talked to Paul, he had just missed a flight. In fact, he was heading, oh, out, no. he was heading out on 17 tour dates. Uh, in the month of July, and uh, he had missed a flight. He he'd miscalculated, and he was stuck in the Vancouver airport for like I think he said like I think he said ten hours, which I find hard to believe. That's but, a long time. Yeah. But you never know. You never when when you're Paul Dean. I'm going to take your word for it. Anyway, so Paul Dean is here. He's going to talk about um, how the band got started, which is actually a story I had never heard before. I mean, not well documented. He'll talk about how he met lead singer Mike Reno who nice. appeared on a previous uh, episode of Stuck in the 80s, a fantastic guy. He'll talk a little bit about Loverboy's work in movie soundtracks. And he'll they talk a fair about, bit of that. <laughs> and he'll talk about uh, the band's upcoming appearances at 80s and Sand and 80s Cruise and how he approaches events like that, where you're, oh, you're cool. basically, you know, you're behind, you're behind the lines with 80s fans who are, like, in your face 24-7. He'll talk a little bit about that. So without further ado, here's our interview with Lover Boys, Paul Dean. Hey, Paul Dean, sorry, I apologize, man. <laughs> it's no problem. Uh, when Paul Dean wants to call, uh, Steve Spears is ready to listen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> so uh, where are you calling from tonight? I'm calling from the Vancouver airport. I missed my flight, so uh, a complete dolt. I uh, left an hour later than I should have and missed my flight. So now I'm sitting in the airport for 10 hours waiting for the next flight. And then I take a red eye to Indianapolis. So, you know, one of those great days. 
Well, at least I can suck yeah. up maybe 25 or 30 minutes of your time with some some questions, hopefully some of which you haven't been asked a thousand times before in your life. Well, let's see what you got, buddy. Lay it on me. <laughs> Uh, by the by, the way, Lover Boy is the answer when people ask me who the first band I ever saw live. Uh, oh, um, wow. you guys opened for Journey back on their Escape tour, um, and I was there. So, <clears throat> and then I think it was uh, 2006 or 2007. I saw you guys again. You were in Clearwater, Florida, as part of like an uh, 80s retro show, and I think we interviewed you and somebody else from the band after your set for our podcast. Uh, could be. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Even I'm just like, uh, that was like 12 years ago. I don't remember myself. Yeah. So one, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, um, I, I'm going to see you twice more here in the, in the next couple months because you're playing, um, at eighties in the sand in Punta Cana. Yeah. And yeah. you're also on the 2018 voyage of the eighties cruise. It, right on both counts. So I'm on. I go on the '80s cruises and the '80s in the sand things, and I host all their trivia sessions. So, oh, okay, cool. Hence, we cross paths at this time. First question, I right out of the box. I mean, when you were first approached with the idea of playing a cruise ship that was chartered entirely by '80s fans, what was your first reaction? I guess I got to be on 24/7 for <laughs> as long as I'm on the boat, and once you once you're cool with that, it's all good. It, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, just to think about it, it's a bit of a shock, but uh, it's going to be great. I mean, they're, talk about a captive audience. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and as well as a captive musicians, but uh, we're all going to be, I hate to say it, we're all going to be in the same boat, but uh, kind of what the word's at. And, yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all fans of 80s music and I guess uh, fans of Loverboy and and the other acts on board, so it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Would, would this be the most unusual venue you've played to date? Personally, probably. I've never done a cruise. I've never even been on a cruise, let alone played on one. Oh wow, you're in so, for uh, experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but you know, we're going to St. Thomas. I mean, twist my arm. I mean, that that was the deciding factor right there. When I heard that we were going to be going, we weren't sure at the time whether we were going to be starting in St. Thomas or ending. I believe we're ending. You know, we're, we're leaving from Miami-ish and uh, and going to, and, and St. Thomas is maybe, or just the, the whole, the island. It's just, uh, Charlotte O'Malley is cool, but the, the island itself is, it's a friggin' paradise. I've been there twice for sure, maybe three times, it's unbelievable. So I'm, I'm totally pumped about that. I'm, I'm beyond pumped to go back to St. Thomas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there a couple of times. It's amazing. Um, definitely yeah. one of my places, if I could, if I could leave and just relocate somewhere, that's what I would, but that'd be top three for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Punta Cana has also got to be an unusual day. I mean, similar to 80s cruise in the sense that you're playing at a resort again, fully Booked by eighties fans. Yeah, same same situation. You step you step out your door, and you're on, baby. And that's just how it is. That's good, you know. Well, you know, we'll, we'll get we'll get nailed at airports and something. You know, you when you're not expecting it, right? Like with with uh, um, with eBay experts, they they come up and they have 
One guy, the last thing we did, I can't remember what time it was. In, there's a bunch of guys. One guy had 40 items he wanted us to sign. And that's, you know, so, you, so you, you're, you're kind of in your zone, your own personal zone, kind of going, uh, you know, and traveling all day. And you're, that's kind of what you're preparing. And then, wham, they hit you with that. It's like, whoa, okay, uh, how do we deal with this now? Are we on again? Well, I guess we're on. <laughs> but when you're, but when you're, when you were doing the cruise or we're doing, doing the, uh, the week in the, in the sand, you're, you know what you're going into, you step into it and you embrace it. You know, it's like, and people are not there to abuse you and, and, and take advantage of your good nature. They're there because they're true fans. They're not looking for stuff to sell, right? They're just, they're, they want to, they want to share. That's what, I, that's what I love about what we do is we get to share what we do share our music and, and people are in the same, same space as, as we were, I was when we wrote the songs, you know, they, they're still there. And just as we are, we're still in that, in that groove, right. And that, and they, they totally understand it. They get it. They appreciate it. And uh, they invariably let us know to me. It's just, it's like, I don't know. It's just that relationship is so cool to have people, understand what you're doing and appreciate what you're but to, really to understand it and they and they you know we're to, to get it and that's so incredible you know as opposed to if we put an album on and nobody cared nobody would get it nobody would understand what we were trying to do and we would not be where we are and right. it blows my mind that there's still people that are still in that wavelength just like we are it's incredible yeah it's it's amazing. I, I know when, when, when I first interviewed you guys 12 years ago or, or whatever it was, in the 80s revival seemed like it was you know, just, just getting underway and nobody kind of knew how long it would last. And here we are, you know, a decade or so later. <laughs> yeah. And now, now we have 80s cruises. Now we have 80s vacations. You know, now we have, yeah. you know, 80s on 8 on Sirius XM, you know, where they yeah, play Loverboy every day. Which is also day. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's something. I there's, heard. I, yeah. I heard Lady of the 80s yesterday on, on the local station. I couldn't believe it. I went, now that is a deep cut. I haven't heard that song. I mean, we used to play it every night. And, and uh, so, that, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. We're still getting played. So I'm real. Now, now when, you do, when, you're doing, when you're doing trips like this, where you're doing a cruise and you're doing the 80s, and you know you've got, like, a hardcore super uh, focused fan set. Do you yeah. mix up the set list a little bit? Or you, do you go and pull in an, an old song that you haven't maybe played in Probably five or 10 or 20 years? Probably not. Probably not. We're, we, we got it. it. It's really important for all of us is to have that flow, to have that dynamic set. When I mean dynamics, I mean loud, soft, fast, slow, little bit of comedy, a little bit of broken hearted or whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. we try to get, get all the emotions and, and a lot of tempos and the excitement levels. And so you build it up and you break it down, you build it up and you break it down. Then you crack a couple of jokes and we kind of, that's really important to us is to have that flow. And, and also, you know, imagine being Matt Burnett playing all our fast tunes in a row. I mean, even Matt Burnett couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do that. So, I mean, not not that we're tailoring the, the set for Matt. It's it's. But what I'm saying is, it's just 
it just gives it, it's the, the energy flow, the ebb and flow, I should say, of the energy, you know. That's really important for us. And I think people, I know I would, even when I listen to an album, if, or when I, when I uh, sequence an album, it's very important. They get the keys right, you get the tempos right, and you're not repeating yourself, that same arrangement as the tune before, whatever, you know, so you've got to mix it up. And we've got it down. It's re- and it, I, I know I've said this a million times in interviews, and people probably roll their eyes when they see it again, but I love it. To me, it's, it's a, it, the show is, like, it's an experience. It's like one song. And you, you step into the bubble, and you, you stay there for 90 minutes, and you, you flow with it, you know? And there's little cues where I can step back and check my guitar out. And Mike can take a breath. But it just really works. We've been doing this set for quite a while. And it's, it's worked great. It really does. That said, if we were to get eight encores, I'm sure we would dig out some old songs. <laughs> you, you mentioned Mike. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard the story about how you met Mike and, and how, the, how you guys got started you know, with the, the lineup that you have. I was, I was, uh, I'd just been fired from a band and I was desperate to play and I was broke. I mean, my wife was, Denise was working and supporting us, but that, that kind of sucks after a few years, you know, you don't really want that. So anyway, I, I think more than anything, I really wanted to play. And the only gig I could get locally, I was in Calvary, Alberta, was as a bass player in a band. I was looking for a bass player and I, I played bass, I played bass on a a lot of my solo albums and just to, uh, uh, jamming, I'll play bass. And I had a gig as a bass player for a while. I love, I love the bass. So anyway, I, I got it. We were doing ACDC covers and stuff like that. And it was a, I mean, it was, it was interesting for me. Uh, and I was getting paid, you know, we had a, had a bit of a gig. So anyway, we're down rehearsing this gig. It's just a, just a trio, the drummer and the lead singing guitar player and me. And uh, Mike came into town to visit this guitar player who he used to, he used to play with him uh, previously in Calgary. And he just dropped in to say hi. And Mike is that kind of guy. He's just a real sociable guy. And maybe he was looking too. Maybe he was thinking, maybe I can get Pat back together with this dude, you know, because the Moxie thing didn't work out for him in Toronto. And so they, they, we took a break, uh, and Mike would, and he he was singing with. They were just sort of jamming around, doing some stuff. And I heard Mike sing. I, I should back up a little bit. At the time, I was work. I was um, going to record a solo album, do a solo career, and uh, I was because I'd been I'd worked with so many singers, building them up, putting my life in in their hands, basically, uh, only to have them go, well, thanks for your effort, bye. Or, I don't want to do this anymore, or, you know, we don't like you, or whatever. And there I am without another gig, out of, with no control, no say, just nothing, just unemployed. I just got sick of it, you know. I said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Until I heard Mike sing. That, that was that. <laughs> I went, well, this guy, he's still kills me when he sings when when we we record together uh we're sitting right beside each other and he's singing his guts out and i'm engineering it and producing it and all that stuff and, and uh, co-writing them 
So even when he still sings on stage, I just it just blows my mind what he can do. It, and and that's a, that goes back to that sharing thing with with the audience. I get the same charge out of Mike when he sings as the audience does because he he's I mean I can hear everything he does. He's right in my in ears, clear as a bell. And uh, so that was that was that. I heard him sing and I went. So I'm going solo career can wait, you know. Exactly. Wow. I was, I was I was blown away, and so I said he was working construction. He, he was I believe he was on the, the wheelbarrow. This was in probably in January in Calgary, and probably working at outside this thirty below. You know, it's like insane. But he was in the same space I was. He needed to work, so he was out doing construction. So he came down after work that next night. I says, "Why don't you come? Do you feel like coming down and, and we'll just jam and see if we got anything?" And we wrote two songs together, and uh, kind of cemented it right there. We went, "Well, okay, this is pretty good. This is working," and uh, and we and I, I I should say that I really enjoy singing with him too. I, it's a great honor for me to be able to to sing back up to Mike with most of the songs have a two part and with double case we'll have a three part the woe woes and the it's over and that kind of stuff but for most of the tunes it's me and him singing the choruses and, the, and maybe the, the pre-chorus so that's a that's a pretty cool thing to have going on in my life as well and, and you both live in Vancouver today right we're still there we still do I moved out uh, I moved to Calvary for a while for 10 years actually back to Calvary and uh, now I'm back in Vancouver Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it's a beautiful town. Oh, it's incredible today. It's like, it's insane. Of course, I'm going on the road now for 17 days in a row, missing the best month of, of Vancouver. But, you know, that's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's talk for a second about working for the weekend, which I know you've probably spent a lot of time talking about, but I only recently learned that I guess the original concept of the song or the original name was Waiting for the Weekend? Exactly. What's the story? Well, I was I was uh, living down by the beach in, in Vancouver and in a little apartment, and I was just out for a walk one Wednesday afternoon or something, and I just went down. I was just going to walk down to the beach or down to the store and grab a coffee. I can't remember what it was. And I'm walking along, and I go, where the hell is everybody? It's like the place is deserted. On the weekend, it's just, you know, it's, it's a beach town, kind of, that, that part of town. It's, 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 it's like, like, like Florida in the summer. It's like unbelievable. I'm walking, where the hell are they? Well, I guess they're all waiting for the weekend. I'm like, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. That's, it, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. That's how a lot of that stuff comes. You're just talking to yourself, you know, and you, this little phrasal. You'll, you'll just jump out and you go, there's one, right? And put it in your phone. Or At the time, I probably had a little uh, radio chat micro cassette player that I always used to carry around for ideas way, way, way before cell phones and in your notes on your cell phone. <laughs> is, that, is that how you and do it today uh, with your cell phone? I just put it, I, yeah, I put all the little snippets, all the, all the song ideas, all the little melodies that, you know, it's a really great place to find to find melodies. I find is when I'm walking through the mall, and you'll you'll go by a store, and they're playing one kind of music, and the next one's playing another kind of music, and, and you you kind of get this little 
gate. I, I don't know if you've seen Baby Driver. My son and I just saw it last night, but that's kind of how I am in the mall. You know, I'm listening to the DJs as I'm walking past. And it's just inspired. There's so many different things. I get a lot, a lot of times I just go, and I just start singing along and go, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm going to move up my phone and put it on, record it. I put all my lyrics in it, all the lyric ideas. I'm, I'm always doing that. I'm still like a little kid, you know, I'm totally so into writing music. It never stops. Stop already. It's not like that at all. It, it's really, uh, what a, what a great thing to have bestowed on you. These sure. ideas that come out of nowhere, you know, it's like pretty awesome. I, I heard a similar story, I guess, of that uh, Queen of the Broken Hearts was something that you sort of jotted down when you were in Hawaii on a on a tape recorder, and that it was originally kind of written as a more of a rockabilly tune. That was Hot Girls, Hot Girls in Love was oh, a rockabilly okay. tune. Okay, okay. And it was, but but I I did write Queen of the Broken Hearts at the same time on a four track TX cassette recorder. I went to Hawaii for a month. I had a break after the second album. I think we we recorded and toured the second album, and we were on the road for over 200 days. Or we had 200 shows that that year. So we then you put all the days off and travel days. So I thought anyway, I finally got a break. So I went over there and and uh, yeah, I wrote Queen of the Broken Hearts and and Hot Girls in Love. Hot Girls in Love was was a Totally a rockability kind of thing, you know. Hot girls in love. It's probably even had a swing to it. <laughs> and uh, I think it was our manager, Lou Blair, says, "Man, that is not in your wheelhouse. You got to can you can you rock this up a little bit? You got to. It has to be rock. It can't be freaking country. Not 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 that I, personally I have anything wrong with country. I love a lot of country music, but." Uh, anyway, so I went, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> so I just switched the guitar, or turned it up or something. I don't know what I did. Yeah. That's all it took. Really. It was just the feel yeah. of it, you know, the, with the drums. Yeah. Because I, I, I had a little tiny little drum machine and boop, bat, boop, bat, boop, dogs and cats and dogs and cats and whatever the hell it's all day I've been trying to picture how – it makes more sense now. Hot Girls in Love I can hear as a rockabilly song. I've been trying to imagine how Queen of the Broken Hearts works as a rockabilly song. There was no yeah. way it was working in my head. Yeah. No, I had I had uh, Hot Girls that was completely all there. I don't know if I had that, that – no, it retained the rockabilly guitar solo, though. That's a total rockabilly – guitar solo but set to a rock more of a rock groove we got we got slammed a little bit because it's essentially it's the same groove as lady of the 80s speaking of which and the people went oh they're repeating themselves already <laughs> and, well, sorry <laughs> I, think, I think acdc was once somebody asked somebody in acdc they said hey you guys have done 12 albums that all sound the same. And he's like, I beg your pardon. We've done 13 albums that sound all exactly the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard so many variations of three chords in my life from those guys. <laughs> it's, it's incredible what they do. I mean, love ACDC. They, they were the inspiration behind Teenage Overdose. Was I would just listen to, I don't know, can't remember, probably 
Highway to Hell or whatever that album was called. That's probably what it was called. But anyway, that's so I got into that that frame of mind and wrote the uh, the, the riff to Teenage Overdose. Oh, nice! I did not know that. For, for what, whatever that's worth. Yeah, I think I still have hearing loss from the. I think ACDC was the band I saw immediately after I saw the Loverboy Journey show. And between you guys and and ACDC, I, I'm pretty sure I have not had full use of my ears in the 40 years that have passed. <laughs> Your ears haven't stopped ringing. <laughs> oh, it was, I remember vividly, both after the Loverboy show and after uh, ACDC. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last year on the cruise, Berlin performed last year on the cruise, and they'll be on this year's 80s cruise. And they end the night with uh, a cover of Highway to Hell. That, oh, so that, God. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that always makes for a fun end of the evening. Um, that's a, it's an interesting choice of tunes when they have hits so why they would choose to end with a cover but I guess whatever you know yeah I mean, yeah I'll leave it yeah, whatever with that. floats your boat as, yeah. as we will be saying I'm sure a lot on the cruise <laughs> the puns <laughs> will never end the um, yeah, I know <laughs> it, uh, um, Queen of the Broken Hearts also ha- is the song known because it had the MTV contest associated with it right where the winner got to appear in the video yes yeah I think that for the yeah. longest time that has been my favorite Loverboy song, but I've yet to hear you play it live. For, for, for whatever, we play it live. You do it now. We do play it live. That's okay. in our set. It's it's a nice little, nice little. Anybody out there like '80s music? Well, you're gonna <laughs> love this one. Or or the intro goes. Here's a here's a song. When, you might have seen this on MTV. You remember MTV when they used to play videos? <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, that that always gets a chuckle out of everybody. Yeah. That's Mike at his, his craziness. You know? A few years ago, when you guys released Unfinished Business, I spoke to Mike for an interview. And um, among the topics that came up was um, his solo career and the song Almost Paradise. And I, yes. asked him, I asked him how that affected the rest of the band. And he told me that you, in particular, thought the band was finished at that point. Was he just kidding with me or were you really concerned? My take on that song was, not another ballad, please. We've done so many ballads. I don't do another ballad. If you want to do it, go ahead, Mike. But me personally, I want to be. I want to. It, the balance was wrong. I want to keep. I want to. I don't want to put another another ballad out right now. Just wasn't right for me. And I still stick by it, even though for for the fifteen minutes of time it took Mike to record that song, he was able to buy a a, a thirty. <laughs> seven foot uh speedboat uh, a sea ray i'm sure you're all aware of that being from florida and that so oh yeah oh <laughs> I, I i still stand by it though i still feel that way that that it was uh what a beautiful song but and we we still play it live but yeah i don't know where mike got that idea but i don't know where he gets a lot of his ideas <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, but then, of course, a couple of years later, you, the band has a soundtrack hit again with Heaven in Your Eyes. That's right. So it was time for me. You know, I, I felt like, okay, that's good. Let's do, let's do. I mean, uh, I think maybe we had just had it, uh, this could be tonight, and it was a, it was a monster. It was got to number two on MTV, and it was it was really a great song. And then and then Heaven in Your Eyes came along. And what a great opportunity to, to have it talk on, even though it wasn't in the movie, it was still on the record, you know. So I was, I was pretty jazzed. We, Mike and I and our management went, to, I don't know if Mike was there, but probably. And we went down and we talked to 
Buckheimer, I think his name is, one of the producers, mm-hmm. the guy that's still alive. And he he was he was uh, partners with the, another dude, uh, no longer on the planet. But uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. We gave them the tune; they loved it, and uh, they gave us the, like the thumbs up right there and then. Nice. So we went home, and uh, I think we played them a rough cut, you know, just a rough mix, and they went, "Yeah, that's." And I mean, we were. I, I saw the movie, and I sat through, and I'm going, "Okay, it's got it's got to be coming up in the big love scene. Oh, it's <laughs> got to be on the jukebox scene when they're dancing in the bar. It's got to be in the credits at least. Nothing. It's <laughs> funny." But as I say, it, we were able to put Tom Cruise in our friggin' video. Are you kidding me? So that was pretty cool. Hey, they're they're making a and sequel. They're making a sequel to it. Maybe it maybe it shows up in the sequel. Maybe <laughs> that would be <laughs> cool. Yeah, revenge at last. Um, yeah, right. So you're either the writer or the co-writer uh, of most, if not all, of Loverboy's biggest tunes, and then. In 1987, there's Loving Every Minute of It, written by Mutt Lang. How, how did that yes. collaboration come about? There was no collaboration whatsoever. It was, we were working with, I'm trying to remember his name now. Oh, damn. His engineer was trying to step up and be a producer. Uh-huh. Mike, oh, that's really bad. He's, that's he's okay. also no longer with us, but... Um, so Mike, Mike really didn't have an idea on how to produce, but he did have the insight. He says, you guys don't have the songs yet. I mean, he wasn't really contributing to making them better or the songs that we had, but he was, he was aware enough, or, or at least I think he had, in hindsight, he had to well, definitely had the correct opinion that, you don't you don't have the hits yet, even though we still had, we had dangerous and this could be the night, which both did very well at yeah, uh, yeah. at NTV. So he he called up Mud uh, and uh, said uh, what he was doing. Mud probably already knew. I mean, we would have killed to have Mud Lang produce and co-write because we we well I was I'm sure the other guys were aware of what Mud had been doing. With Foreigner and Def Leppard and, and ACDC. Yeah, sure. And uh, anyway, any involvement with Mutt Lang was awesome for me. So he called up and he, he, Mutt, he said, uh, "Have you got anything?" He says, "Well, let me see what I can come up with." So I don't know, maybe a few. No, it wasn't very long. It was a few days at most. He called to the studio. We were in Morin Heights in Montreal, recording just outside of Montreal, and. Uh, he played it. I talked to him briefly on the phone. I don't remember. I've got a blank about talking about his voice or anything like that. But uh, he played me the song, and I went, oh, are you kidding me? That's amazing. But so how can I get a copy of it? Because we're, you know, we'd already been in the studio. We're locked, locked into the studio, but not for very long. So he says, okay, well, why don't you get your engineer to set it up, and we'll, we'll record it. I think... Actually, I think what he did was he played it on, on the phone, and I probably recorded it on that little tape deck I was telling you about. Sure. Or, or some little little I carry a uh, cassette re- cassette player with a little mic in it. So I probably put it up to the receiver so that we could at least get an idea. I'm sure that's what we did. And 
so I played it for everybody and everybody went, yeah, this is cool. But we couldn't hear, all we could hear was the top end, you know, but we could still get the really good uh, general idea, but we couldn't really hear any idea what the bass was doing or the kick drum or anything or the actual group. So he, he, uh, he said, well, get your engineers to set up. Uh, and we'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing at my end and we'll send it through the phone lines and at least you'll get most of the information that way. So we did that and like the next day or something. And, uh, so that was pretty, uh, pretty cool. And then I think just before we were finished, he, he sent it a hard copy over like a seven inch reel tape right to the studio FedEx or whatever they had back in 85. And, uh, and we checked it out and, uh, there it was. It was amazing. So, so you're on the road now for, for 17 days. What what other projects uh, does Loverboy have in the works these days? Uh, well, I'm working on an album again. Okay. It's been a while. Uh, did my a solo album. It's I don't know when it's going to come out. I'm thinking the fall sometime maybe. And that's it, really. Uh, Doug is working on soundtracks. He's always doing that soundtrack thing. He's very successful at it. He's amazing at it. And... Uh, I don't know what Mike's doing. I, I don't think, I mean, we're working really hard. Uh, he's, 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 a, he's kind of a, into golfing and that kind of stuff. He, he loves to play and, and perform for people, but he's not as obsessed as I am. I, I guess I could say obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he has, he has a much more social life. You know, I was reading the thing, I was reading the, the liner or the, a program that we used to sell in 86. Uh-huh. And I, I, I made a video of, of our couple of singles back. Um, and I included that. I, I took pictures of that and, and made a, like a little slideshow yeah. for the video for, for uh, something like it hot. And I was reading the, the liner notes and I'd gone and it said, Paul Dean, basically a lone wolf. And I'm going, God, I haven't changed a bit. And it's like, that's like, 35 years later, I'm still, you know, that's kind of what I do. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a music guy. I'm not, I'm not really into the, the golf and all that other stuff. And not, not to take anything away from Mike because he's still an amazing singer, you know. So whatever gets him there, I think yeah. it's fine. That's the most important thing to, to all of us is to be able to try and stay healthy and to be able to walk, put it on a good walk show, you know. That's, yeah. that's kind of... That's the most important thing. This this solo album stuff is just a fun thing to do, you know. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing you in uh, Punta Cana and uh, on the '80s cruise. I promise I will not bring forty pieces of memorabilia for you to sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, I'm good with five. <laughs> did the, how, how did I do? Did I ask some questions you haven't heard in a while? Um. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's always tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, I tell you, you're you're the you're the only yeah, you're the only the the, the hot girls uh, rockabilly thing is that's never been touched on. So that's okay. that's pretty good. That's a little bit of insight there. That's there we great. go. Small victories. I'll yeah. take it. I'll take it. <laughs> well, I, I I wish you a speedy uh, amount of time waiting there at the airport. I know it's not going to be, but uh, I really do look forward to seeing you guys uh, twice now in the next six months. So that's going to be a, a thrill for me. Yeah, man, it's going to be great. <clears throat> Uh, and thanks for Absolutely. talking to me. Yeah, thanks. This has been fun. Okay, man. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity. Thank you. No way. So I don't you
there he is, Paul Dean, guitarist for Loverboy. Great conversation. Um, yeah, really good interview for a guy stuck at an airport. <laughs> you could tell he's a little irritable at first and not so happy about uh, his circumstances, but hopefully I distracted him. But he warmed him. to the task. Yeah, he yeah, warmed yeah. to the task. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I mentioned to him that, you know, I interviewed him back in 2006. Okay. And we stuck in the 80s. In 2006, which I guess like the first year or the second just year. Just off of the ground, ground, yeah. Right, right. We went to Ruth Eckert Hall in Clearwater, and there was an 80s show there that had um, – this is back before they really oh, had 80s right. shows. This is when you had um, Rick on the show for the Yeah, Rick time. Springfield. Mr. Springfield. <laughs> we call him Mr. Rick. Call me sir. He was there. It was Scandal, Loverboy, Eddie Money. I think that might have been it. But, That's plenty um, for any concert goer to right, enjoy. But, Stuckney's was actually live backstage, and they, they gave us our own dressing room on the second floor with no air conditioning. <laughs> That's <laughs> why it was we were, available. Yeah, and we interviewed, we interviewed Rick Springfield up there for the first time. We interviewed Loverboy. Of course, Paul Dean has no memory of that, and that's fine. <laughs> I totally get it. You know, yeah, that another day of the show. Yeah. He's not going to lie and say, oh, yes, Spearsy, old chap. Yeah. Oh, Put on oh, a few oh, pounds oh, since oh. then. <laughs> <laughs> what was to me real most interesting, and I didn't expect it when I asked him the question, was the whole thing about um, how Mutt Lang wrote Loving uh, Every Minute of It. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that guy, now, not to jump to the next interview already, but man, it would be really interesting to talk to Mutt Lang sometime. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he, he don't think he's so been on my stuff. bucket list forever. Yeah. He's been on my bucket list for, I mean, I don't, we didn't even know what to talk to. I mean, it's like... You know, stop bowing. <laughs> oh, don't grovel. One thing I can't stand, it's people groveling. Sorry. And don't apologize. Every time I try to talk to someone, it's sorry this and forgive me that and I'm not worthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, him, I mean, he just is such an iconic guy for yeah. producing stuff in the he, 80s. We're never, just, let's no. not tease the listeners. That'll never happen. Yeah. You but know. it's fun to think about it. Yeah, it's it like Steve be. Martin. We're never going to get Steve Martin on the show. No, it'll be fun. So fun. You never know. We got you know. Eh, we got Martin Short, Steve Martin, Martin Short. I don't know. Oh, you're right. They're touring. I'm kind of <laughs> glad that they're not doing an LA date this tour because I would have to go and see them, and I don't really want to spend the money on concert tickets right now. But anyway, yeah. my problems aside, yeah, I, the Mutt Lang thing that that's amazing. So, so anyway, if you get a chance, '80s in the Sand, the '80s Cruise, they'll be at both of them. They put on a hell of a set. This is in the sweet spot for those events, too. Oh, my God. This is this is the one event that you're like, you go to. Oh, I have food poisoning today. I don't care. You go yeah. see Loverboy. You are going to go and enjoy some refreshing cocktails and watch this set. You know what I'd like to watch right now? The, the Seggies. Ah, by the mystical tone, must be time for listener, reader, slash listener, fanboy, email, podcast time. Ooh. Let's see someone come up with that acronym. You're so fancy with your talking words, <laughs> Stephen Q. Spears. Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's uh, behind. We'll pull the curtains aside for just a little bit. It's, it's late here in Orlando. It's, it's not exactly early in L.A. And, uh, the moon is waning, and so is Spearsy. <laughs> yes. My, you know, start the clock. When Ultraman's light stops blinking, he will cease to exist. We've got two letters this week. This letter just came in after our recent Cult Classics Midnight Movies episode. Um, it's from Andrew Gerber. Uh, Brad, do the honors. Here we go. 
Andrew writes, Steve, Brad, and the rest of the zoo crew. Nice. Like that. The yeah. zoo crew. After the latest podcast, I felt the need to write in, which I don't do often, maybe once or twice a year at this point. Your show about cult classics in the 80s brought back many memories, some which I had repressed <laughs> and some which I fondly remember, and some which I thought I would share. It's left to us, the readers, to try and determine how much overlap there is between those things, but we'll figure like, it out. It's, it's like a Christopher Nolan movie, really. It's like a Venn diagram. <laughs> anyway, moving on from letters to letters, from Venn diagrams to letters. That's my other podcast. I had the fortune of working at a movie theater in southwest Idaho in 1989, near the largest town in the state. The area we were in was still very much farmland, which comes into play shortly. The manager of the theater decided that he wanted to start doing midnight movies on Friday and Saturday nights. We did two movies each weekend, appealing to different audiences. I don't remember most of the pairings, but the films included Heavy Metal, Pink Floyd's The Wall, Tape Heads, as an aside, tape heads is a, an inspired choice. That is an inspired Very choice. Very good. Very good. He continues. Roadhouse and Led Zeppelin's The Song Remains the Same. Okay, that's a pretty interesting point. Respectable. Yeah. He also brought in the Rocky Horror Picture Show pretty regularly because no other theater in the area was showing it. We quickly grew a cult following, and the movie was sold out every time we played it. I actually got paid to watch it the first six times we ran it because he wanted me to stand at the back of the theater to make sure things didn't get out of control while he participated. <laughs> I can only imagine that a lot of my issues can be traced back to that experience, but that's another podcast. Yeah, come on to my podcast, Venn Diagrams and Letters, and we'll talk it out. I do remember one weekend when he decided to bring in the Rocky Horror Picture Show for one screen, and you guessed it, Roadhouse on the other. Remember how I said we were in farmland country? We drew quite the crowd for Roadhouse. Full boots, hats, six packs of Kerr's Light that we somehow missed seeing, and their cans of chew. Okay, now for the uneducated listener, do you know what chew is? It's uh, tobacco. You stick yeah, in your mouth. Yeah, chew tobacco. Okay, yeah. As opposed to dip, which is similar but not cut finer. Anyway. <laughs> Needless to say, with both crowds in full costume, though the Roadhouse people didn't realize they were in costume, there were many strange looks between them both. Until next time, I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Still stuck in the 80s, Andrew in Indiana. That's great. Great letter. Yeah. That's awesome. I could, I could picture the lobby and the, <laughs> like the side stairs. Like, wow. Oh, what are you doing? You, you know doing? what I'm thinking about, though? I'm thinking about the poor uh, usher who had to like clean, clean up after uh, Roadhouse, all the uh, cups filled with the spit. Yeah, it's not going to be a good job. That's not no. going to be a good job. I, that used to, I used to have to do that, so I, yeah. I sympathize with that guy. Uh, we have a second letter. This one's from a brand new listener. His name is Andrew Gilmore, and he's from Philadelphia, PA. Brad, yeah. take it away. This is Andrew Week on Letters. Hi, Stephen Brad. My name is Andrew Gilmore. I'm from Philadelphia, PA. Wait, where have I heard that before? I'm a new fan of the Stuck in the 80s podcast. Just discovered it a week or so ago, and I've been binge listening to a lot of episodes from the archives the last few days. Since you obviously enjoy interacting with your listeners, only the nice ones, Andrew, only the nice ones, I just wanted to write a quick note and tell you how much I've enjoyed listening to the show. Oh, we do like you, Andrew. You're right. I'm only 30, so I wasn't really around in the 80s, though technically at least I was alive for the last three years of them. But I've always enjoyed the music and movies of the decade and hearing the nostalgic memories of people who were around then. It sounds like it was a fun and exciting time to be young, so it's too bad I had to miss it. I agree. I agree. By the way, having looked through the descriptions of all 400-plus episodes <laughs> of Stuck in the 80s, it seems that, unless I'm mistaken, you've never done a show talking about either the Go-Go's or the Bangles. 
both of whom I've always liked very much. I'm surprised an 80s-themed show would go 12 years without an episode devoted to either or both of them. So I hope you can do that sometime, if you haven't already. It's possible I missed it. I'm having a lot of fun listening to the show. Keep up the good work, Andrew. Andrew, it's your lucky day. Welcome to the Bengals and Go-Go's podcast. Ah, uh, we're just kind of kidding. So there's a story. That would actually be a great, like a great throwdown. Like, uh, you know, you take the Bengals and I take the Go-Go's and we battle it out. That's, that's exactly what almost happened. Um, really? Several times. Uh, when Sean Daly was the co-host of the show, um, we had this idea to do the Go-Go's versus the Bengals. And as, as a podcast and, and like each one of us would represent one of the, the bands and such. And we would always get in such fights about who's going to represent who. <laughs> oh, well, here's what we do. Here's what we do, Steve. You and I are the judges, and we get guest hosts to come on and represent. Oh, I like that. Write that one down. Write that down. That's that's that a good idea. Pure, <laughs> solid plutonium, suitable I'll, I'll for the Libyans. I'll, I'll tell you something else. Like you know, uh, pull back the curtain moment. Three times now, I've had an appointment to interview somebody from the Go Go's. So we should have had at least two or three Go Go shows by now. <laughs> and they always, always canceled on me with like no notice. Like I would be sitting at my computer waiting for them to call me for like 45 minutes. And then finally, I would send an email. Then I get an email from the publicist saying, Hey, uh, so sorry, but Alan Hunter wanted to talk to him today. And so they took that call instead. Yeah, nice. So that that is one of the. I mean, I've had my chance. I've had my chances, and they've blown me off. Now I understand why you were giving Belinda Carlisle incorrect directions to the spa on the boat. You're like, oh, it's down on the seventh deck. There's the room number. I was giving her that's directions to my room, if you recall. But uh, that's oh, a, uh, oh, crisscross. I brought my uh, my hot rocks massage kit with me on that trip, if you recall. Hmm. I, was, I, I was ready for Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anyway, so if if you like Brad's idea, if, if somebody wants to come on the show and like represent the Go Go's and represent the Bengals, we can have like a little throwdown, and Brad and I will judge it. That that would be kind of we'll interesting. Decide. We will decide. We will decide. In the meantime, uh, we love your letter. Send them to podcast at sit80s dot com. Uh, it's time for our favorite new uh, segi. It's called I Want My Mystery TV Theme Song, which becomes yeah, easier, to baby. Say, <laughs> it's easier to say after every drink that I have. Um, this is where we play a piece of a TV theme song from the 80s. If you can get it right, you're entered into a drawing to get a piece of swag. And so I got to tell you, cool. once again, the listeners amaze me. I would, I can never, I never get these. I just don't get them. I just can't do it. So you guys... You rock. Your friend, your buddy, who was on in the uh, TV show with us, Mike. Mr. Mike, yeah. Mr. Mr. Microphone. Mike. <laughs> He'll be back to pick us up later. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. I forgot about that commercial. <laughs> the, um, Mr. Mike gave us three suggestions, and he said this one was the easiest one. So pay attention. Here was the easiest option Mr. Mike gave us. Yes, of course, that's from Remington Steel. 
Would you have done that, Brad? Did you know that one? No, no, I did not. I mean, it, it, I know it's a TV theme because it's, but they're all just, they're so generic. They're so yes. generic. <laughs> it's a tough, this is a tough seggy. I, I mean, when you hear someone say, oh, Remington, oh, of course, Remington Steel. I never watched Remington Steel, so I don't know. You know, I, yeah, is, I was familiar with it. I maybe watched a couple episodes because I remember Stephanie Zimbalist was the female lead in it. And then I James don't, you Bond. You can see anybody's name at this point. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. TV in the 80s is my weak spot. Uh, anyway, we did have some people who were smarter than us, so read some winners. The list of people that's smarter than us is pretty long. Luckily, the winners list is a bit shorter. This week's <laughs> winners include Tom Korn in Austria, OJ in La Caruna, Spain. Okay, the, the foreigners are getting this one, and we're not. So, obviously, I'm dumb as a box of hammers. We continue. Jonathan Thompson, Canuck and Cali, Brock in North Dakota, Todd in Minnesota, Andrew in Indiana, and Chris Cooling, who writes, This theme was written by Henry Mancini and was used from season two onward. The first season had a voiceover and generic-sounding mystery music during the intro, but the Mancini theme would pop up during the episode sometimes. Oh, so nice. there, I just called it generic, and it was written by Henry Mancini, who wrote the Pink Panther. <laughs> Well, Chris Cooling knows everything about television. We need to yeah. have another show. We just need to have the. We ought to just name this the Chris Cooling. I want my MTV segment because <laughs> every time he writes in with the, like, really, really, guys. <laughs> okay, let's see some Pierce Brosnan muscles. Let's spin that wheel and see find out who wins. I don't even think I used my verbs correctly. That verb subject down agreement there was completely off. Well, you know, well, don't send this in for grading. Yeah, as long as the wheel keeps spinning, we're fine, though, right? I think so, yeah. <laughs> it looks like it's going to land on. It's magically slowing down now that we have nothing else to talk about. Praise and the Lord. It's land on, thank, God. thank God the show's almost over. It's going to land on, hey, Brock in North Dakota. Wow. Nice. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. You know the drill, Brock. Send us in Send your us an address. Yeah. I got boxes. They're ready to go. <laughs> People are actually reporting in that they're getting their packages, which makes me happy. That's good. People should enjoy their packages. Yes. <laughs> don't know what that means. Thanks for that loaded statement. Yeah. I don't know. I have a very small package, I should tell you. Oh, stop it. <laughs> anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery MTV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener wiener we'll be right back after this commercial break hey this christmas party is getting a little too quiet i think it's time we liven it up with my favorite christmas gift mr microphone hey what's that well you set the dial on your fm radio and testing testing these kids are having a fabulous time with Mr. Microphone, the cordless microphone that actually puts your voice on the radio. There are no attaching wires, so you're free to move around. <laughs> Broadcast over any FM car radio. Hey, good looking. We'll be back to pick you up later. You can broadcast in mono or with two radios in stereo. Professional entertainers use Mr. Microphone for rehearsing. And you can, too. It's practical and great fun for the whole family. And for only $12.88, they really make great Christmas gifts. The perfect Christmas gift at Walgreens, Woolworth, Wolco, Osco, Venture, Weebolts, Montgomery Ward.
And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. What shall we do? Hey, I, I got an idea. So this weekend, uh, I noticed, actually, you were posting about it on Facebook, that Fast Times at Ridgemont High is screening in the theaters because it's the 35th anniversary? Correct. So, you know, that got me thinking. It's a little late for us to be you know, telling our listeners about that. I think there are some screenings around this week, but there's some on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. But what eighties movie would you like to see on the big screen? I don't know that I need to see fast times at Ridgemont high, except that one moment. Hi, Brad. You know how cute I always thought you were. Ah, uh, great moments in Brad film history. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, I don't know. I need to see it on the big screen. Uh, um, this is going to sound really lame. It's two sci-fi movies. Oh, good, because I have one, too, actually, as it turns out. One of them is actually from 1979, I believe. Okay. When Buck Rogers in the 25th Century came out, the pilot for the TV series was actually released as a theatrical release. And so you went to the theaters and you saw, like, it was an hour and 45 minutes. And I remember going with my dad and it was huge, you know, I just, it was a fantastic, you know, James Bond in space movie. And it's, you can see it today. It's on YouTube. In fact, I was watching it for like the 30 minutes while I was waiting for you to log on today. Yeah. I mean, and, laptop uh, problems. Right. So that one would be one because obviously I only, you only had like one shot to see that. Yeah. So I would love to see that again. Uh, and then Blade Runner. I would love to see Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Although, you know, the the trick would be like, well, which cut? There are like 47 cuts of that movie. Yeah, I know. But at this point, any cut would be fine. What, yeah. what would be your pick? Here's my pick, and this this came leaping to mind, and I think sci-fi just kind of lends itself to the big screen like that, is 1984's sci-fi masterpiece, 2010. Oh, it's funny because I saw that. I did see that on the big screen. Yeah, I did too. And I just all the the shots of between the ships and them going across and this kind of the way that the way it's shot, this creation yeah. of space and how big it is and how vast it is. I just think right. that that was so great up on the big screen. And I I love that movie. I quote that movie all the time. No one knows what the hell I'm talking about when I say. Which you know, what, like, what line do you quote? It is, it is how you say piece of pie. <laughs> Piece of cake. Yeah. And yeah. it is how you say easy as cake. <laughs> I love those lines. And nobody, people are just like, Brad, you are so stupid. Like, yeah. 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 No, it's funny. Going back to that letter earlier from Andrew, 2010 was one of those movies that I saw for the first time as a midnight movie. Oh, which wow. It doesn't okay. really work. It doesn't really work. Yeah, it doesn't well need to be movie. there. But at least it's dark outside when you leave. So you get that space thing going. So it was one of those movies that I saw the first 10 minutes of and the last 10 minutes of. <laughs> And so really, like, in the last two months, I sat down and it was – I forget what what's, what streaming service it was on. But I sat down and I watched it start to finish. And I was like, oh, my God, this is an amazing movie. I think movie. it's a really good movie. and It's really good. I went back. I mean, every, I think everyone remembers Roy Schneider is in it and John Lithgow. Yes. Um, yeah. I forgot Helen Mirren is in this. Oh, so good. Yeah. It really is. And nobody ever name checks that movie. Yeah, I think this uh, is really good. Now I really want to go home and watch this movie. So. <laughs> I do. I would go watch that in the theaters, especially yeah. if it was a really like a restored, you know, yeah. remastered print. Yeah, that would be pretty good. Yeah, so listeners, give us your give us your movies that you'd like to see in the theater yeah. and, and why and why. Right. Yeah. Send us in podcast at sitas.com. If you send me a list movies. of all the Back to the Future movies, I'm going to come to your house and beat you unless you have a really good yeah. reason. It needs like, to. It needs to be reason. something we hadn't thought of, like something that's not in the theaters. Like, I mean, Fast Times doesn't make it. You know, Breakfast Club, I've seen it enough times. Don't need to see it again. Give us something that really floors us, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. 
Till then, don't forget, if you're thinking about going on the 80s cruise, do use it. the promo code. Do it do now. It. Get to the chopper. There's a promo code stuck. It will save you $1,000 a cabin if you use it. If you want to go to 80s in the sand in November, um, we have promo codes for that. It's stuck one and stuck two. Um, email us and we'll tell you where to find the rates. And we'll tell you everything you need to know about the two greatest vacations on the earth. And in the meantime, myself, Paul Dean from Loverboy and B-Rad, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.